The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Last night in primetime, President Trump announced 53-year-old Brett Kavanaugh as the Supreme Court uh, nominee to replace Justice Anthony Kennedy. The president, um, you know, played it up. He was he walks out by himself. I felt like we were watching a man who knows how to create a reality show. And we were. Uh, The president said he looked for a judge that was able to set aside their political views and apply the Constitution as written. The president listed several of Kavanaugh's credentials, graduate of Yale. Um, he, uh, if he's confirmed, it would maintain the court's unanimous Ivy League makeup. Yay. The uh, president described him as a judge's judge who has authored over 300 opinions over the last 12 years as a judge on the uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in D.C. Kavanaugh currently teaches at Harvard Law School, where he was hired by Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan when she was the dean there. Kavanaugh, also a law clerk for Justice Anthony Kennedy in 93, and uh, he was there at the same time as Neil Gorsuch. He later worked for the independent counsel, Kenneth Starr, during the Clinton Whitewater investigation, also worked as counsel in the George W. Bush White House, eventually becoming staff secretary to the president. He was also uh, on the scene at the recount in 2000. He's active as a Catholic. Um, He volunteers in soup kitchens. He tutors students at elementary schools. He coaches his daughter's basketball teams. He seems like a normal guy. Players call him, as he pointed out last night, Coach K. No word on whether Justice Ginberg will call him Coach K. Uh, Trump said, no one in America is more qualified for this position, and no one is more deserving. This morning, I listened to... um, the uh, podcast from the New York Times on it, and I was fascinated by the fact that they were speaking to a guest who said to them, it's probably the best, most solid pick you could find. Doesn't mean that people aren't going to be upset about it, but he is a qualified judge. So those are the positives. He ticks the boxes, the right boxes. He seems to uh, like Trump. And Trump seems to be convinced uh, that he's a confirmable uh, nominee rather than somebody like uh, Amy Coney Barrett, which is the one that I was hoping that he was going to pick. Many conservatives were rooting for him, um, but conservatives are nervous because we've seen this movie before. This is this is a guy who has been around Washington, D.C. for a long time. Kavanaugh, uh, in 2011, he wrote uh, the D.C. Cur- uh, for the uh, circuit um, in a case that he heard on Obamacare. In that opinion, he ended up supporting the law's individual mandate. Um, this was something that he was directly influenced by with John Roberts. Um, other other potential red flag for Kavanaugh's confirmation an article he wrote for the uh, Minnesota Law Review in which he said he believes presidents should not be subject to civil lawsuits or criminal investigations in office because they were time-consuming and distracting. Did that play a role? Democrats will grill Kavanaugh for a week on that one alone, I'm sure. 
Judge Kavanaugh greeted with a lengthy standing ovation last night. Uh, his wife and his kids were there. We will see. First, we have to get through the um, nomination process. Uh, and, uh, and then we see him for the next probably 30 years on the court. It's Tuesday, July 10th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. Pat Gray is joining me today. We have a lot of guests on today. We have great, great people. Mike Lee coming up in about 20 minutes. We have Ben Shapiro at the top of uh, hour number two. Dave Rubin at the top of uh, hour three. Some really good guests to comment on what all of this means and how this is going to uh, play out now. I'm kind of disappointed. Me too. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not, you know, it's not a home run. It's not a slam dunk. It's not Amy Barrett. She, yeah. she would probably, in my opinion, would have been better. Right. But I, I think he kind of went with a safe pick. And yet, you know, here comes the crazy from the left. Oh, my gosh. They're nuts over him. Oh, they were saying that he was going to destroy the planet. Uh, yeah. Millions of lives are at stake over this pick. Um, wow. Yeah. Terry McAuliffe. The nomination of Kavanaugh will threaten the lives of millions of Americans. Well, it will. Well, uh, no. No. Maybe. Hmm. And actually, if it if it works out on the Roe versus Wade, it will save millions of American lives. Yep. Yep. Not sure how you make the case that he's threatening the lives of okay. millions of people. So I read that. Okay. Yeah. And I, and, and I started thinking, because that's what I am. I mean, I'm not a scientist. Well, I'm a doctor. And a thinker. And a thinker. Uh, so I started thinking, what is it that this guy might have that could destroy millions, life as, millions, yeah. life as we know it? Uh-huh. Let me just say, I believe one of the Infinity Stones. <laughs> I believe I believe that's what that's what the left is afraid of. You know which it's one? Ah, uh, well, I've been I've been thinking about it. It could be the Soul Stone. Okay, for only mm-hmm. reason it allows you allows the user to steal, control, manipulate, and alter <laughs> living and dead souls. Wow! Uh, it grants the user control over all life in the universe. Now that's more than millions of people. But to make it work, don't you need the other stones? No, no, no. You don't. No, no. Okay. No. All right. You don't need to have all of them. I mean, it would be great, and I think that's what they're afraid of. I think there's a possibility, for instance, I think, well, you tell me, Mm -hmm. is it the media or has Donald Trump taken this from the media? I think they used to have the reality stone. Listen, allows the user to fulfill their wishes, even if the wish is in direct contradiction with scientific laws and things Mm. that are normally not possible. It can create any type of alternative reality with the user's wishes at full potential when backed by the other gems the reality stone uh, allows the user to alter reality on a universal scale i think that i i think the media still has still that. has that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. it might lend it out to donald trump from from <laughs> time to time but they've had that one for a long time how about the time stone is it possibly as the time stone the the ability to stop, slow down, speed up, or here's the key, reverse the flow of time. Wow. 
So we could go back to the 1800s and slavery. <laughs> and, and slavery. Which is probably what he wants to I do. I believe that's, that's what, he what wants they're to saying. Do. I think they believe he has the time gem. I think he's written extensively about trying to help America return to slavery. <laughs> do you? Extensively. Of the 300 opinions he's written, I think about 260 of them are about slavery and going back to the 1800s. Well, you might be right. He might have the... Well probably not but we don't know because the media has the reality stone <laughs> right true. so we're going to believe that almost everything that he has ever said or done leads to the enslavement of women oh man you know the the protests outside the supreme court last night were just i mean nuts just not i, I couldn't even Fox. tell what they're screaming half the yeah. time <laughs> what is that I'm sorry, <laughs> what? They're upset. He's uh, racist. <laughs> Just, uh... He's a murderer. Murderer? Oh, my choice, not Trump's choice? Is that what it is? My choice, not Trump choice? Something like that? I only heard... Rah, 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 I know. Rah. Then there was, was a sign that says, uh, Circumcision Harms. And that has to do with the Supreme Court justice in what way? Are they about to rule on circumcision? Yes. I, are, okay. Yes. All right. That is one of the pending yes. cases they're, they're considering. That's the Jew stone. That's, that's <laughs> what that one is. The holder of, of that stone, he, he, he makes all the rulings. He controls all circumcisions. Wow. Yeah. And that's I don't know powerful. if he holds it or not. I would find it a little disturbing and ironic that it might be held by the Catholic. So but. it's possible that he holds stones that uh, Marvel characters don't even know don't about. Don't even know about. Yeah. Oh, no, there's more Infinity Stones than that. I mean, sure, <laughs> of course there are. And the circumcision. I mean, why would the guy have the sign about circumcision if he wasn't worried about the Jew stone? Right. Yeah, he, well, he wouldn't. No. Wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no. you wouldn't know anything about him. Right. You could be up there. See, this is... This, again, shows the cabal. They're worried about all of the stones. They're worried. I mean, they Mm -hmm. had to have seen Infinity Wars, and they know somebody's out collecting all the stones, and it's probably... Brett Kavanaugh. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's collecting all of them. And uh, and that's not good. It's not good. So Well, it's threatening the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come. We thought we would just start there today because... You know, when you really put this into perspective, no matter what the media says about this guy, when you really put it into perspective that what he's after is all of the infinity stones, you know, then you know what kind of evil you're dealing with. All right, let me tell you a little bit about uh, Mercury Real Estate. If you're looking to sell your home... Now is the uh, now is the time, and may I recommend the really good real estate agents at realestateagentsitrust.com. Working with the right agent really makes a huge difference in the outcome of buying or selling. We have over a thousand agents all over America who are like you. Their word is their bond. They're fans of the show. They share your responsibility, and they know your area. Our um, agents are fully vetted, handpicked for, uh, for the team, for their knowledge, their skill, their track record. I don't think any of them have an infinity stone, but you don't know. You don't know at this point. 
Families all around the country have already put realestateagentsitrust.com to the test. It's pretty remarkable. You can check it out for yourself at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you need to buy or sell a home, realestateagentsitrust.com. We're going to talk to Mike Lee here about the uh, Supreme Court Justice and Ben Shapiro coming up in uh, in just a second. Have you seen um, Have you seen Ant Man? Speaking of the Infinity Stones, have you seen Ant Man yet? No, not yet. Need to. Do you like it? Do you like? Did you? Yeah, like the I first? liked the first one. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't love it, but I really yeah, liked, I it. liked it. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Okay, mm-hmm. you're going to love the new Ant Man. Oh, good. I it's one. I think it is my favorite now of the whole collection. I walk. We got up and I and I said. To my son, okay, rank it. He said, out of all of them? And I said, yeah. And he said, what do you think? And I said, I, 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 it might be my favorite. And he agreed. I've heard that from other people, yeah, too. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Also, Billy D. Williams, uh, I should break this to you. Uh, well, he's, he's going to be in Star Wars. Like... The next Star Wars? Yeah, he's going to be in the next Features Star Wars. Features Billy D. Williams. Yeah, I should have I started it with Pat... Uh-huh. Billy T. Williams is still alive. Wait, what? Yeah, I know. It's a <laughs> yes, little crazy. Yeah, you should have started there. Yeah, should have started there. Yeah. <laughs> so, is everybody, you know, here's, when you watch, when you watch Ant-Man, you will understand the future. When you see uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, is it Michelle Pfeiffer? I don't know. It's one of those Michelles. Uh, when you see her and you see um, what they've done with CGI to to you know make everybody in their 20s is remarkable there's Mm. we're coming to a time where you're gonna just you will lease your looks out you'll you'll just say oh warner brothers wants to make that movie i don't want to make that movie but i'll go ahead i'll sign my image and my voice over and they will just create it i mean it's everybody Mm. is dying now on the star wars thing yeah but they're all dead right except for well Either in the movie or in real life, or both sometimes. Um, so the only way they're going to be able to do that is with Lando, who's, as you mentioned, still alive. Uh, and, and and I guess they'll do Princess Leia again, CGI. See, I don't You'd know, have to why, do the there's, whole I don't movie know like why there's they looked so bad in the movie. <laughs> it, that's the worst CGI for people I think I've seen. When you see Ant-Man... Now, again, they're just aging the person or, or de-aging the person, mm-hmm. but it looks, it looks real. exactly like him. Mm. Looks exactly like them. Uh, all right. What was, your, what, was your, what was your first thought last night, Bat? Uh, that I was disappointed it wasn't Amy Barrett. Yeah, me too. I uh, really would have liked that. Um, now, Kavanaugh seems to be anti-Roe v. Wade, just on the few things that he's kind of known to have said. Um, he spoke about uh, the dissent on Roe v. Wade in a positive way. The only, other th- the only thing he's ever ruled on, I think, concerning abortion is that he was in the dissenting opinion on uh, allowing the illegal immigrant to, to get the abortion. But that was for a different reason. But he, yeah, it was for a different reason. But all the way through it, he really deftly um, uh, threaded this needle to where he was auditioning. 
yeah. a little bit yep. to where he said all the way through this ruling, like six or eight times. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm I've, just for this decision, uh, because the Supreme Court has ruled it so, I will assume that uh, abortion is the law of the land. And so we are going to, you know, I'll go forward with that presumption. But I only do it because it is the Supreme Court's decision. So mm-hmm. he's he in that he seemed to be saying, if I were on the Supreme Court, no, I don't I don't buy that at all. And that's enough to make the left go nuts. That That's enough right there to make them hate the guy. Uh, and you know they're going to oppose well, they're him. They're going to hate him anyway. They I were know. All hated, they, 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 they all, hated him before they knew it was him. I know. For, for If you watched the news last night, you were watching stuff. They had no idea who the person was. And they were already saying, oh, it's a horrible, uh, you know, really controversial pick. I don't think this guy's that controversial. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, when you look at it, how bad was the battle for Ginsburg? Not. Right. Not. I mean, 96 to 3, she was confirmed. 96 to 3. She is by far, up until Sonia Sotomayor, the most extreme left-wing justice we've probably ever had. And she was confirmed 96 to 3. Uh, Scalia, Antonin Scalia, who is considered extreme now by the left, was confirmed 98 to nothing. It's the way it used to happen. Yeah. It was advise mm-hmm. and consent. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. President, we don't, we don't, we don't think this is a great uh, pick, but it's your pick. We consent. Yeah. Now we- that that's not it mm-hmm. anymore. They would have had he would have had to go with somebody off of Obama's list in order for the left not to go nuts. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think think they would have opposed him. I think Merrick. I do. I think he could have done Merrick and they would have said no. It's possible. It's definitely possible. When when ABC News is tweeting out 90 minutes before the announcement that uh, Terry Moran is going to report on the controversial Supreme Court justice pick and the possible implications for the country, uh, you know there's nothing he could have done that would have made the left happy. Well, no, because he is controversial to the left. But no they didn't know it, that. They didn't no, know but, who it was going to be, but no, it didn't matter who it was. It doesn't matter. That's, yeah. uh, you know, again, I think matter. he could have he said, you know, uh, you know what, I'm just going to double down. I'm going to give two votes. I'm going to give two votes to Elena Kagan. And I think they still would have <laughs> gone crazy. Gone crazy. She's not you know, she, she there's something going on with Elena Kagan and you know it. They would have gone nuts. Um we have Mike Lee coming up in uh, just a second. I'm interested to see how the um how this begins to play out with uh the um uh with the parties. Mm-hmm. Only because if you if you oppose this, what the Democrats want is to oppose it long enough to rally their base and then say, we have to have great people in the Senate. We have to have great people in the Senate or this is mm-hmm. and that way they have a chance of swaying the, the Senate. But they've got enough people who are red staters. You got Heidi Heidkamp? What, what, what is she going to do? 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Mm -hmm. Really tough. We'll uh, get to that. And Mike Lee, what he thinks of the judicial pick when we come back. Cryptocurrencies have gone through a tough run lately. So this this is the time to buy. I mean, it is an exciting new market. And we're talking returns like you're not going to get out of stocks or a bank account. Uh, Would you like to know a little bit about it? Do you want to understand cryptos? Do you want some free investment training? Go to BeckCryptoShow.com and register for Glenn's free online investment training broadcast on July 19th. During this event, our own Glenn Beck will be interviewing former hedge fund manager and number one cryptocurrency expert Tika Tawari from Palm Beach Letter. Now, for the first time, Tika is going to share the new facts about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies that you'll never hear in the fake news media. He'll also reveal the big event unfolding behind the scenes that could push cryptos to new highs. And he's got three cryptocurrencies you should buy right now. You're going to want to know that list. Plus, you'll have a chance to take part in Palm Beach Letters' exclusive $2 million Bitcoin giveaway. To make sure you don't miss out on this opportunity, go to BeckCryptoShow.com and register now for the free exclusive broadcast event. BeckCryptoShow.com. It's BeckCryptoShow.com. Good senator who I I wish we were saying uh, hello to as uh, the Supreme Court nominee today. Mike Lee is uh, joining us now. Hello, Senator. How are you, sir? Doing great, Glenn. Good to be with you. Uh, good. You're so even-keeled always. Hey, you didn't get the Supreme Court nominee. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. No, you're not. Come on, you wanted it. Hey, look, we, love, we live in a great country, and uh, the president has made a choice, and uh, that choice is somebody who I think will stand up for the Constitution. So, Was I'm there any time, the Mike, I, was there any time that you let yourself just go? Because, I mean, you had been so even-keeled the whole time saying to me, on and off air. I'm not going to get it. Um, but was there any time that you just let go and went, that would be cool? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, w- one has to do that every once in a while. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a brief few moments when I allowed myself to think that. But, wow, a bit of crazy. Um, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, yeah, your crazy. place. Okay, so Mike, tell me about uh, Kavanaugh, because both Pat and I are a little underwhelmed uh, and we're, and I guess it's because we're afraid he's a Washington insider. He's a guy who's been around the GOP forever. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a, a bold thinker. I'm looking for a, a constitutionalist. Is he the guy? I, I think he could well be that guy. I hope he's that guy. And, uh, I think he's got a lot of signs of being that guy. It's very difficult to predict how someone will behave in a position like that until they're given that immense power. I think, assuming he's confirmed, I think we'll know within a year or two, uh, just as we know a lot about Justice Gorsuch now that he is Justice Gorsuch, uh, much more so than we did after he had been on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit for a decade. But look, Judge Kavanaugh is a well jurist, and he's one who deservedly received bipartisan support when he got confirmed to the D.C. Circuit 12 years ago. That I, I know him by reputation to be a smart and a fair judge, and, and frankly, one of the most admired appellate judges in the country. So I'm looking forward to the process, uh, to getting to know Judge Kavanaugh and his family a little bit better in the next few months. And Have you uh, met him before? Do you know him? Yes. I, I've, I've met him on a handful of occasions, and uh, I, I've known people who have clerked for him, who think the world of him and who regard him as a textualist originalist. And those are all good signs. So Mike, you, uh, you're a guy who has known a lot of the Supreme court justices and, and you know, you've, you spent time 
talking to them beyond um, just, you know, legal stuff. Um, what is it like to become a Supreme Court justice and how how badly does that uh, play in your head unless you're rock solid on on the Constitution on? Look, I, I want to make sure that our legacy or my legacy, how much of that plays a, a role early on? I think it definitely plays a role. And look, I don't always quote Rush lyrics on national radio interviews, but <laughs> if you choose not to, disso- not to decide, you still have made a choice. If you go into a position like this, especially like being on the Supreme Court of the United States, where you have the opportunity to wield tremendous power, and where, in fact, you become more powerful if and precisely because you decide uh, to expand your role a little more than you should under the Constitution. If you walk into this without having decided in advance that you're not going to do that, you're going to do that. And so my hope is that what we will discover in, in the coming weeks, months, and if he's confirmed in the coming year or two, is that Brett Kavanaugh is someone who has already made that choice, who has already decided, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that kind of justice. Um, Mike, talking to Senator Mike Lee, um, when did it change uh, when, you know, I I think it was Ginsburg that had 98 to 2 and Scalia was 98 to 0. When did it change from advise and consent to we're going full battle? You know, in my lifetime, um, I I think it started to change with Robert Bork, who, of course, was uh, what about six years before Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but that's when it became really, really contentious, and the Democrats decided to take him down, and they did, in fact, take him down. Um, since then, this has become a tug of war, and it has become a lot more politically charged. I, I learned recently that in in previous decades, in fact, throughout most of the history of the Republic, Supreme Court nominations were not... Uh, predicted to be these big partisan contentious events. In fact, they often were confirmed by voice vote, meaning that there was no roll call taken uh, because most or nearly all of the members were satisfied with whomever the president picked. And so uh, uh, over the last four decades or so, uh, the Supreme Court has become a lot more contentious in part because it's taken on a, a much more decidedly political role. Right. And I think that's been to the detriment of our system. So if we had Ted Cruz said last week, you know, I just I don't want a conservative. I want a constitutionalist. If we had the constitutionalist up there, it, the Supreme Court would go back to being something that wasn't so consequential because you everybody in Congress would pretty much know what the Constitution says. It would force them to actually look at the Constitution and not hope that they could just get some judge at a lower level to pass it on to the Supreme Court and cross your fingers and hope that they'll say, yeah, I like that. We're moving there. Yeah, that's right. This would become much more of a functional role, much more of the role of of an umpire, someone who calls the balls and the strikes as they see them. There was an early chief justice, I think it was John Jay, who upon leaving the court, Uh, commented that he thought it was destined to be sort of a lackluster Hmm. entity within our system of government. Uh, At the time, uh, it's understandable why he might have said that at the time. 
the federal government occupied a relatively small footprint on American society. And at the time, even within that footprint of the federal government, the Supreme Court's role was relatively limited. The role of the federal government has expanded. Uh, the, the, the role of the court has expanded to an even greater degree, uh, comparatively speaking. So that's one of the reasons why it's become so contentious. But it doesn't need to be that way. If we keep judges to judging, things will work much better, and we can have the hot-button political issues decided by elected mm-hmm. representatives rather than by people wearing robes who serve with lifetime tenure. And Mike, do you, do you get the sense, uh, and maybe it's, maybe it's too early for this, but do you get the sense uh, he'll be able to be confirmed, or is there going to be too much opposition from Democrats? No, look, I think he will be confirmed. Barring something that we don't see right now, I think he's going to be able to get Republicans to vote for him and perhaps uh, one or two or three, who knows, maybe even a few more Democrats. But Mm. if all the Republicans stick together, he will be confirmed. But uh, there's there's a couple that that I'm thinking of, both in the in the cold north uh, that uh, may not agree with that plan. Are you? Are you comfortable that this guy can get past those two? I am. I, I, I'm not mm. certain of it, and I don't want to speak for those colleagues, but I will say this. Speculating about the possibility that they might not vote for him and actually voting against him are two different things. I just don't see it happening. I see, I see uh, uh, Senators Collins and Murkowski, uh, once they have a chance to visit with this man and discover that he is not a judicial activist, discover that he very much wants to be a constitutionalist jurist, one who calls the balls and strikes as he sees them, I think they're going to be comfortable with him, and I think they'll vote for him. If they don't, um, and if, if he's not confirmed, I, I, just playing this, this political game out in my head, I would think that if I'm a Democrat, I, I want this over, I want a big fight, and I want to show that I'm standing up and everything else. But in the end, I fold probably around September because I don't want this dragging on through the election um, because I've got some people in some red states that are in trouble and they could lose their their position and and lose it to somebody who would uh, vote for this uh, for this judge. Do I read that right? Do you think? Uh, perhaps. Um, that's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is that uh, depending on which kind of Democrat you are and which kind of state you're from, you might see it the exact opposite way. You might see, hey, if we can drag this out, and if by chance uh, Democrats have the chance to clinch the majority this fall, then they could write out, they could garlandize the next two years, hoping that they win the presidential election in 2020 and make it impossible for President Trump to get anybody through until the end of this term in office. And so these are pretty hard hard to predict where they'll come down. That would be completely game-changing, would it not? I mean, what happens to our, aren't we in a constitutional crisis at that point? I wouldn't really call that a constitutional crisis. I would say that that is is suboptimal and suboptimal outcome. (laughs) Well, wouldn't our, wouldn't, I mean, that leaves, that leaves everything four, four with a tie. Yeah, but there are there are mechanisms in place to deal with that happening. In fact, there there have been times in the history of our republic and we've had an even numbered um, uh, uh, panel on the Supreme Court, and there are mechanisms in place 
to deal with that. Uh, if, if you end up with a four to four split, which e- even when there is an eight member composition on the court is, is still pretty rare. But in those rare instances, uh, the, the lower court ruling stands, but doesn't take on precedence as if it were a Supreme Court ruling. So it's not, look, there are lots of things that can cause constitutional crises. I wouldn't put this in quite that same category. I would say that would be an extremely disappointing outcome, wouldn't call it a constitutional crisis. Mike, precedence. Um, Kavanaugh has written a book with Gorsuch all about precedence. Can you tell me why should we care about precedence? We, if we did, wouldn't we still have Jim Crow laws? I mean, just because one court ruled on it that way doesn't mean that the next court has to see that as constitutional, especially if that court was looking at political factors. Yeah, that's true. The reason precedent exists, the reasons for doctrines like stare decisis that try to stick with precedent where possible, it has a lot to do with predictability, foreseeability within the judicial system. Uh, courts don't like chaos. They don't like being the cause of chaos. Uh, and so that's why there is a general leaning towards sticking with what they've done in the past. But as you point out, for good reason, uh, th- that is not an inexorable command, uh, uh, nor is it inflexible. It's something that has to recognize limits and does. So, for example, T.V. Ferguson's uh, standard of separate but equal uh, it n- never was right, never could be right. And for that reason, the Supreme Court was right to undo it in Brown versus Board of Education. That's a good example of why it is that even though courts tend to like to follow their own precedents, they are at liberty to and sometimes under a moral obligation to undo their own precedent. All right. Senator Mike Lee, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Buckle up. We're going to need your leadership uh, and your friendship with with everyone uh, to uh, be able to move on and not have a suboptimal uh, situation. Thanks, Mike. Our sponsor this half hour is Simply Safe. Simply Safe. I like these guys because they obsess over all of the details. Here's an example. So they have a glass break sensor, and you can get this from you know whoever. Um, and what it does is, if somebody breaks glass, it, it goes off. But the problem is, if you drop a glass in the kitchen, or if you drop a plate. Or in some cases, believe it or not, a baby crying can make that thing go off. Well, now that's no good. So Simply Safe didn't want to settle for what everybody else does. So what they did is they constructed a glass break test facility. They ran over 10,000 live glass break situations and kept refining the technology over and over and over again until it could distinguish between a broken plate in your kitchen and a broken window in your kitchen. This is the kind of level of detail that Simply Safe uh, puts into absolutely everything they do. It's why they are just taking over this category. It's why they have all an A plus rating with the BBB, and yet uh, security companies generally are one of the top ten worst performers uh, with complaints. Not at Simply Safe. Try it out yourself. Simply Safe 24/7 monitoring with police and fire dispatch is $15 a month. You own the system. Check it out now. Protect yourself with simplysafebeck.com. Get a 10% discount right now at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Welcome to the program. 
So very glad that you have uh, joined us today. Um, Ted Cruz is supposedly in the in the fight of his life, but I don't believe this. It's a blue wave. There's a blue wave sweeping Texas. A blue wave. Well, they're trying to make people believe here in Texas that uh, Ted Cruz that there are two Hispanics running. Now, this is really so amazing crazy. because I didn't know that they considered Ted Cruz a Hispanic. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but there's two Hispanics now. The Democrat that is running. His name is O'Brien. No, O'Rourke. Or O'Rourke. That's mm-hmm. right, O'Rourke. His name is actually Robert Francis O'Rourke. Right. He's not. He's not half Hispanic. He's not at all Hispanic. He's, he's Irish American. He's Irish. Yes. And yet they are imaging him as a Hispanic. For some reason, he's adopted a Hispanic nickname, Beto. And so that's the only name he uses on all of his campaign material. If you see a bumper sticker in Texas, it just says Beto for Senate. If you see a yard sign, it just says Beto for Senate. They're trying to make it appear as though the guy is Hispanic. And I think it's working. I think Hispanics believe this Irish guy is Hispanic. He's whiter than I am. This is cultural appropriation. It is. It is really... Why aren't amazing they, why aren't they hacked off about this oh my gosh why? because because it doesn't because the it's ends justify the means yes it doesn't matter to them right. they don't actually care about anybody's culture they don't they'll yeah. use it anyway it's a two-edged sword it will cut either direction for them mm-hmm. <laughs> beppo we're let's see if we can get Let's see if we can get him on the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got a good Irish Hispanic man. (laughs) Uh, We'll talk talk some more. Ben Shapiro's next. Glenn Beck. It's Tuesday, July 10th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Ben Shapiro, editor-in-chief of the Daily Wire, host of the uh, Ben Shapiro Show. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Uh, Ben, I'm disappointed I, I was hoping for Barrett uh, myself. I'm I'm holding out hope because I've I've seen your analysis uh, and you you know you know what you're talking about uh, when it comes to the law. Um, are, are you comfortable with this guy? Um, you know, I, I think comfortable is uh, is probably a pretty good word for it. I, I don't think that I'm, I'm deeply uncomfortable with him. I'm not ecstatic about the pick. I don't think, as, as you say, I was I was in favor of Amy Coney Barrett. I was in favor of Mike Lee. Was my first choice before he was kind of picked off the short list. Um, but if you are going to go with somebody who is a more establishment pick, I think Kavanaugh will be decent. The only question is whether Kavanaugh is more like Roberts, which would be on the the bad side of the scale, or he's more like Alito. I don't think he's going to be a Scalia-Thomas figure. He doesn't write these kind of ringing opinions that echo down. He's he's not somebody who writes uh, broad-spectrum opinions, sort of like taking big issues and and knocking them over. I don't think he's going to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think that the chances that this court votes to overturn Roe v. Wade are very low, but I think what he will do, along with Roberts, they will probably carve back the extent of Roe v. Wade uh, particularly using doctrine of uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So in that 1992 case, uh, you recall Kennedy actually wrote the opinion on that one. There was a, a test that was put on abortion law saying that you couldn't have an abortion law in place that created an undue burden for a woman seeking an abortion. And at the time, there was actually a lot of consternation on the left that that test was going to be used to pare back abortion law, that basically they were going to pass a bunch of laws, and the court was going to say, well, that doesn't present an undue burden 
on a woman trying to get an abortion. Now, that's not actually what the court ended up doing. They ended up upholding a bunch of abortion laws, uh, upholding a bunch of, uh, yeah, getting rid of a bunch of abortion laws to preserve abortion. But you could see that doctrine uh, sort of minimized uh, under under Kavanaugh and 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 Roberts. So I think that what you're going to see is a new swing middle with Kavanaugh and Roberts writing very carefully tailored opinions that don't sort of knock mm. over broad areas of the law. So I, I don't think you have to worry about this guy being Souter. I don't think you have to worry about this guy being John Paul Stevens. I this guy going to be Kennedy? Possibly being Roberts. Is he going to be Kennedy? Kennedy either. I don't think he'll be Kennedy. I, I think Ke- Kennedy is somebody who established rights out of whole cloth. I remember Kennedy was Lawrence versus yeah. Texas guy and uh, and Obergefell guy. I, I don't think that's, that's Kavanaugh. I think Kavanaugh is a lot less ambitious than that, and I also don't think that's the way he approaches the law. It's just that everything that he writes is incredibly closely tailored. Uh, and as narrow as humanly possible. And that has benefits in the sense that his, his decisions will probably be slightly less controversial. Uh, it has its drawbacks in the sense that if you want the, the Supreme Court to make clear stands on issues like, for example, um, religious freedom, and, and, you want him to, and you want him to make statements about this law violates religious freedom outright as opposed to finding a reason to strike down the law without saying it violates religious freedom outright, uh, then I think you're going to be disappointed. So you're going to see a lot of masterpiece cake shop holdings uh, that come out correctly but are as closely tailored as possible rather than just saying you can't force a religious person to bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. Wow. So um, what, does that, what, does that, what does that mean in the long run? Uh, have, we, have, we, have we changed it uh, as dramatically as what the media is going to is going to approach this with is this a, no, does anything I, fundamentally change because of this i mean i think the only thing that fundamentally changes is that you're not going to get these these wild outlier opinions that kennedy was fond of i don't know we got them right. from we, we got it from john roberts right but uh, but i oppose robert so <laughs> I'm, I'm more comfortable with kavanaugh than i am with roberts having having mm. looked at a lot of kavanaugh's decisions uh it seems like the the big problem with kavanaugh is that he votes the right way, but writes as closely tailored as, pol- as possible, whereas Roberts was a consensus builder who was always attempting to avoid ruling on anything whatsoever. So mm. that's basically what he did in the Obamacare decision. Uh, I'm more cam- I-, I don't think he's going to be full Roberts. I think he'll be closer to Alito than he is to Roberts. And if so, then I think that we ought to be relatively pleased. But yeah. I, think, I, think this is a, I think this is a double. I don't think it's a home run. I think that, that Trump really could have gone for the fences here. And instead, he picked a really safe pick who he knows is going to get through, uh, very well qualified, obviously. And Kavanaugh is going to sail through the, the nomination hearings because he's been you know, following the stuff forever. He's, he's clever enough to watch that. Uh, uh, what I don't buy into is a lot of the hype on, on both the right and left that Kavanaugh is some sort of secret radical. So on the right, you're seeing people say, well, you know, he worked for Ken Starr. Well, so what? I mean, John Roberts worked for, worked for the Republicans on the Hill for a long time and ended up being John Roberts. I don't think that matters. And on the left, you're hearing that Kavanaugh is going to be the guy who strikes down Roe v. Wade, and we're going to do Handmaid's Tale kind of stuff. And right now, I have a, I have a thrilling business idea. If you're in for it, Glenn, if you and I go into it, I think we have the money to make this happen. We can start our <laughs> own line of red cloaks and, and white nuns' habits. Well, and is, for the next three years, we will just make bank. It is, it's, it's really amazing, Ben, because I have uh, talked about it, and I've already d- done a couple of sketches of the red hoods. You, you've got to, you know, you have to have the bonnet uh, with the with the cloak, and uh, so I'm I, I'm in on that. Um, the, uh, the 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 idea that he was playing it close to the vest on this last ruling uh, with the uh, illegal immigrant that had the abortion. 
where he said, you know, six or eight times in the in his dissent uh, that he was he was only um, uh, claiming that abortion uh, could be had uh, by this uh, individual because it was the law of the land and the, the precedent set by the Supreme Court. And it, it reads kind of as if he is setting up saying, I, I don't agree with it, but it is the law of the land and I'm not going to change that. Do you buy into that at all? Yeah, I mean, there, there are two ways to read that particular opinion. Uh, one of them is to read the way that you say, which is that he's saying it's precedent, I'm bound by it. The other is him saying, you know, it's precedent, I'm bound by it while I'm on the circuit court, right? Because while you're on the circuit court, you are bound by precedent. While right. you're on the Supreme Court, not quite as much. So, that, yeah, again, I think it is very, very unlikely that Roe v. Wade is overturned by Kavanaugh and Roberts. I think that, remember, it takes four votes to actually accept the writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court. So let's say that the state of Montana passes a law tomorrow, and the law is that they're going to ban abortion from inception, except in the cases of life of the mother. And somebody in Montana appeals that to the Circuit Court of Appeals, and let's say the Circuit Court of Appeals still applying Rose says this law is unconstitutional. And then Montana appeals that to the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court doesn't have to take it. It requires four votes on the Supreme Court to take a writ of certiorari to, to accept the case. I don't know that you actually have four votes on the Supreme Court to accept that case. I think that it's very unlikely, in fact, that you have four votes on the court to accept that case. I think if Barrett had been there, I think he would have. But I think that with Kavanaugh and Roberts, I think very unlikely I think you only have three. And that means that what they're instead going to do is deny cases like that and accept cases that kind of gradually pair back abortion. So, for example, a fetal pain bill, you know, that, that, that'll pass. It'll go to a, a court of appeals. The court of appeals will strike it down. And then the Supreme Court will accept it and say it's not an undue burden on the mother under Planned Parenthood versus Casey to say that she ought to get an abortion, if she's going to get an abortion, she ought to get it earlier than, than the fetus can feel pain. So I think they're gradually going to, to pare back the extent to which Roe v. Wade governs. But if you are somebody who wanted this overturned immediately, I think you're going to be disappointed. So do you think, w- would that have been more of a possibility if you would have picked Amy Coney Barrett? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I think that if you picked sure. Barrett, I think it would have forced Roberts into mm-hmm. a position. Yep. The problem is that Kavanaugh provides Roberts with enough support that he doesn't actually have to make decisions, which is Robert's favorite thing to do, is not make decisions. So I think that what, what Barrett would have done is she could have gotten together with Gorsuch, Alito, Thomas, and said, listen, we're accepting this thing, right? Roberts doesn't want to see this case in front of the Supreme Court. It doesn't matter. We got four votes to bring it up. Let's bring it up. Now we have four votes to uphold Roe v. Wade on the left, and we have four votes to overturn Roe v. Wade on the right, and Roberts is going to be the swing vote on that, and let's see where the chips fall. He also and seems to be... Uh, sorry, sorry, Ben. He also seems to be like-minded with uh, Roberts on on Obamacare. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, well, I think that, again, it, it's difficult to read that case straight-faced, in straight-faced fashion because this is very typical Kavanaugh. What he did in that case is there is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals basically upheld Obamacare, and he wrote a dissent. And in the dissent, mm-hmm. instead of him saying, no, Obamacare is a, bunch of, is, is a pile of crap, instead of him saying that, which is correct, instead what he said was, I can't reach the merits of this case because I don't have jurisdiction. And the reason I don't have jurisdiction is because it falls under the Anti-Injunction Act because it's a tax, not a fine. And that logic, tax, not fine, was used by Chief Justice Roberts in saying that Obamacare had to be upheld. Right? He, he actually used that logic. That was his key logic in saying that, that Obamacare was worth upholding. So Kavanaugh, in his attempt to avoid ruling on the case utterly, and in his attempt to dissent from, from you know, greenlighting the case, in fact, ended up providing the logic to Robert. So his defenders say, well, that was just Kavanaugh trying to be judicially minimalist and, and restrained by not reaching the merits of the case he didn't think he had jurisdiction over. He didn't vote the wrong way on the case. The vote itself, if you saw just dissent by Kavanaugh, you think, okay, well, then he probably voted the right way. But the content of the dissent 
was tailored in, in this very clever legal fashion in order to avoid responsibility for having to vote on the thing. So it's, it's, this is why I say that I think he's closer to Roberts than Alito. I hope he's closer to Alito than Roberts. But I don't think that he's Kennedy. I don't think he's Souter. So he is a he's you know, he's been around all of the politicians. And if he were trying to uh, make sure that he had the opportunity to be on the Supreme Court, uh, wouldn't it make sense to rule the way he has and just been very, very narrow? Uh, I mean, is it too much to to think that? You know, he was just being a very good politician on this. And now that he because he didn't have the jurisdiction, now that he would have the jurisdiction, those things would would play through. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. And that's also the risk. Right. The way you get on the Supreme Court these days is by being non-controversial and writing bland opinions and by ensuring that you can get through a confirmation hearing without having to answer any tough questions. And that's going to make people on the right hope that secretly deep down Kavanaugh's going to get up there and start busting, busting up, you know, busting up the windows. But I don't think that, but on the left, you're at the same time thinking, well, maybe the reason that he's been so restrained is because once he gets here, he's actually going to unleash the full force of his opinions and he's going to tend toward the left. So I'm not a big fan of stealth candidates. I like candidates where I know going in what they think. I think that the right should have litmus tests on legal issues. I don't think we should be nominating people who we don't know are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, I think the left has its own litmus test. It's absurd. The right doesn't have litmus tests. And it's the reason why we've basically gone one for two, right? We, the right only bats 500 on judicial appointments. The left bats 1,000 on judicial appointments. There's never been a leftist who's moved to the right on the, on, you know, on the court. But there have been a bunch of people who are appointed by Republicans who have moved to the left. So my view is that, you know, I th- again, I think that well, we can- at bare minimum, he'll be another Roberts. He could be better than that, but he could be another Roberts. But it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't change uh, you know, when we're being called extremist for a guy that most real constitutional conservatives are like, mm, OK, maybe. I mean, I'm not thrilled about it, but I'm not panicked. I'm just going to have to watch him. They've made him into the biggest, you know, evil uh, character uh, in America today that I think it was ABC said will uh, could be responsible for what was it? Killing millions. Yeah, that was. Yeah, there was a- yeah, exactly. They were saying killing millions. Uh, there were people who were saying that he was, there, I mean, his thing was Justin Miller, one of these reporters at Daily Beast, I think, who was suggesting that he could be responsible for the banning of contraceptives in America. Oh, my <laughs> I wrote an opinion in which he said in the opinion uh, it was a compelling government interest for the government to provide contraceptives. Like the, the, the level of absurdity to which the left has sunk is so extraordinary at this point. This is why I say Trump should have just gone for it. Right? If they're going to sink to this level of uncertainty, then you may as well just go for the person you know is going to vote your way 100% of the time. You may as well just pick Mike Lee. Because if they're going to go crazy anyway, then you may as well, don't just rent the libs, own the libs. Mm, if they're agree. going to put themselves up for a sale here. I agree. Uh, ben, a uh, little disappointed, and I, I think if they do reject, because um, I'm for Barrett, I know you were for Barrett, but if, uh, if the Democrats and the Republicans reject this candidate because he's too radical, I think we should go right to you. I think I think you should be nominated uh, because uh, it would it would set the, it would set the precedence of don't screw with me. You didn't like the well, you didn't like that one guy. Wait until I show you what's next. I mean, can you, I will say that the ratings for the hearings would just be extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, Mr. Shapiro, what do you think of what do you think of mm-hmm. Roe? I think it's total garbage from beginning to end. <laughs> you know, I said I said this to my I said this to my kids the other day, and they were like. 
but dad, he's not an attorney. And, and I said, well, you don't have to be an attorney. You don't, you don't have to be a judge or an attorney or anything. The president could pick anybody. Oh, no, I, this is the good news, right? I, I, I could do it. Let's do it, man. I'm an attorney. I'm a Harvard Law attorney. Let's do this thing. But you don't have to be. Do you? I know. No, you, you don't have to be an attorney. In fact, there, there were, you, you don't have to be a judge. You don't have to be anything. You can be, there, there's no legal qualification that is, that is required. Right. But here's the good news. If, you, if, if Trump wants to maintain that Harvard-Yale balance on the court that he seems so concerned with, then we can make this happen. And I'm, I'm, my, my hat's still in the ring. I'm, if Kavanaugh falls through, go with me. Thanks a lot, Ben. appreciate it. Thanks a lot. I really think... I think that should be our stance. I think that should be our mm-hmm. stance. I think everyone should, we should all just gather together and go, okay, well, if it's not him, Ben Shapiro. That will scare the living <laughs> daylights out of it because Ben Shapiro could run circles around any of them in a hearing. He's right. It would be, it would be like the Super Bowl, a hearing for Supreme Court Justice nominee Ben Shapiro. All right, let me tell you about uh, Goldline. Goldline has an amazing product. Remember, Pat, we used to, because especially when we were in the city, we we're like, man, the, the banks will shut down. What what are you going to do for money? And we talked about mm-hmm. originally having gold. The, Goldline made the uh, the gold coins with the uh, Canadian mint. This, these are silver, and it's like a credit card. Yeah, these are so cool. Uh, this is called the Maple Flex Bar. Uh-huh. It is 19 individual bars that make up two ounces of silver, uh, and it allows you to just break them apart like that, uh, and all of a sudden, now you've got, you know... A uh, dollar. Yeah. You'd, yeah. you'd have about a dollar or so uh, with, with this, with just this one uh, coin, and it's all clearly coinage from Canada, so you know that it's 100, you know, 99.9% uh, pure. It's from the Canadian Mint. It is great. And if, God forbid, you ever need something like this, you're not going to be able to spend the gold, an ounce of gold. I mean, it, it, what mm-hmm. would that even be worth? Five grand, 10 grand? If you're really bartering easy. like that, yeah, easy. This is something that uh, would be actually very, very usable uh, for day-to-day trade. And um, it's just a good way to invest your money as well. It's silver. Right now, call Goldline. Find out all about it. Same price for credit card, check, or bank wire. Qualifying orders can take advantage of their price shield protection program, which is great. You have to find out yourself uh, you know, whether it's right to invest in gold or silver. This is a product that is only available. Can I have that piece back, please? Thank you. Yeah, I notice he's pocketing it already. Um, uh, it's only available at Goldline. Make sure you ask about the Maple Flex card. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. So Jimmy Carter, um, always relevant, Uh is uh especially at 163 yeah, he now he is you know he's always relevant mm-hmm. and uh he was just asked about jesus and what jesus would do uh here's a little bit of jimmy carter i never have run across any really serious conflicts between my political obligations and my religious faith how about gay marriage uh, that's no problem with me you know the only, i think uh Everybody should have a right to get married, uh, regardless of their sex. And uh, the only thing I would draw a line on, I, I wouldn't be in favor of the government being able to force a local church congregation to perform gay marriages if they didn't want to. Right. But, but the, those two partners should be able to go to the local courthouse or to a different church and get married. 
that's no problem. I have had a problem with abortion, you know, and this has been a long-time problem of mine. I, I, mm. I, I have a hard time believing that, that, that Jesus, for instance, yeah. would approve abortions uh, unless it was because of, uh, of rape or incest or, or if the mother's life. mother's life was in danger. Yeah. So I've, I've had that struggle, but I've, my, my oath of office was to obey the Constitution and as in, and, and the laws of this country as interpreted by the Supreme Court. So I, I went along with that, but, but that's been the only caveat. So when I was in Would Jesus approve gay marriage? I believe, I believe he would. I believe Jesus would. Mm-hmm. I, don't know how, mm-hmm. I don't have any verse in Scripture. No, 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 but I just uh, intuitively, yeah. No, I, 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 no, I, no, I, no, I intuitively. believe that, that Jesus would approve gay marriage, but I'm mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. That's just my own personal belief. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Jesus would encourage mm-hmm. any sort of love affair if it was honest and sincere. And, uh, huh. and was not damaging to anyone else. Wow. And I don't see that gay marriage damages anyone else. Huh. Okay, well, that's an interesting take on... It is. On, uh, it's not a biblical one, but no, it is but interesting. It, but it is an interesting take. You know, mm-hmm. but I, before he started in on what Jesus would do, um, you know, his take on should a, should a gay couple be able to get married, I- I'm with him. Yes, just the government needs to get out of all marriages. We need to reduce the federal and governmental involvement in our lives. So I don't care what you do in your own life. The government mm-hmm. has no place in my marriage. It sure, surely shouldn't have anything to do with yours. And as long as my church isn't forced to you know, perform, the, perform the marriages or, you know, a gay church that doesn't want to marry, I don't know, uh, you know, heterosexual people, they shouldn't be forced or either. Or a baker that doesn't want to make a cake for one and participate in the ceremony shouldn't have to. Yeah, it's called right of conscience. And uh, what I think Jesus would be upset about is a government saying you have to say certain things otherwise we'll have the mob crucify you <laughs> we're so weird with real estate agents because we will look for someone maybe we saw on a bench ad or on a billboard or someone that your spouse goes to the gym with and they kind of know them you know that's not really a way to find a real estate agent you need someone that you can trust you need real estate agents i trust.com why? Well, you need someone to sort through all of this for you because you don't know how, yeah, I mean, no one knows who's, who's a good real estate agent walking in. You're kind of just luck of the draw. That's not the situation with realestateagentsitrust.com. There's got to be a better way than picking from an ad or some random person you kind of know. It's the most important financial transaction of your entire life. You better do this right. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a network of over 1,200 agents all over America that are rigorously qualified by Glenn's team. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com right now if you want to sell your house fast and for the most money. Check it out, realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. It's quite a program today. We've had Mike Lee on. If you missed any of it, make sure you grab the podcast at the uh, iTunes store, glennbeck.com, or you can find it at theblaze.com. But don't miss a second today. Uh, We started with uh, Mike Lee. We had Ben Shapiro coming up in about a half hour is Dave Rubin. Uh, But I want to introduce you to a couple of really remarkable people. Um, Aaron Hale and McKaylee Hale, uh, they are the CEO and co-founders of Extraordinary Delights. But I want to, before we get to even what that is, I want to introduce you um, to Aaron, uh, who was Navy, right? And you were um, a 
was he a cook for the Sixth Fleet, right? Mm-hmm. For the true. Admiral. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you decided that you wanted to serve your country in a little more dangerous way. And you went and you got into the bomb uh, squad or the mm-hmm. EOD, right? Yeah. Uh, which is explosives. And in 2011, uh, can he hear me well enough to be able to tell the story? Can you tell the story of what happened, uh, Aaron? Absolutely. Uh, that's right. I, I started off as the Navy cook and then uh, jumped ship and went to Army uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal and became the military's uh, bomb squad. And in 2011, I was on my third deployment, second time to Afghanistan, when uh, December uh, I uh, was working on an IED and I had it dismantled and I was just collecting evidence and, and disposing of the uh, bulk explosive when a secondary device detonated that hadn't yet uh, been detected. And it took my eyesight, uh, cracked my skull in a few places, uh, and uh, limit, le- left me with limited uh, hearing. Okay, so f- first of all, um, why, w- w- what made you say that serving in the, I mean, you were the main guy for the, for the Admiral in the Sixth Fleet. Why, why, what made you say, I, I want to leave the safety of the kitchen and go working on some bombs. Uh, uh, very good question. I, uh, you know, being stationed in Italy and working for a three-star admiral is not not a very uh, it's not a hardship duty. Yeah, not uh, at all. And I was having a great time uh, touring around Europe in my free free time and 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 cruising the Mediterranean on the flagship while cooking you know some great food. Yeah, but. Uh, as both wars were in full swing, I just felt uh, calling to to do something a little more direct, a little more, uh, you know, to to you know, utilize my skills in in other ways. So I met some explosive ordnance disposal guys. They they told me all about the uh, the field, uh, the 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 type brotherhood, the technical aspect, and and it was I was hooked from the get go. Michaela, were you two married at the time? We were not. You were um, not. But Aaron's mom and my mom grew up as childhood friends together in Baltimore. And I've known Aaron since I was born. Wow. So we grew up together. That's yeah. great. So w- when this happened, um, you started helping on on recovery. You taught him how to read again by... Yeah. Um, so in 2015, Aaron actually came down with bacterial meningitis. And it was through the original crack in his skull that oh the gosh. bomb um, caused. And this left him completely deaf on top of being 100% blind. So we were in the hospital for a long time. And they wanted to make sure that the bacteria was gone before they would even try to put a cochlear implant in. And the first cochlear implant failed. So Aaron was left without hearing or eyesight. So we came up with this um, way of communicating where I would write letter by letter into the palm of his hand. So if you can imagine how time consuming it would be to just transcribe an email. Um, But we would just write in all capital letters on the palm of his hand to spell out whatever we wanted to say. And it really just started out in the hospital. Like, what's your pain level? One to ten. What is it? And he would tell us. And. Um, and then it went into full-blown way of communicating for about six months before, maybe a year, before the um, cochlear implant worked. The first one they did didn't work at all, so that was really discouraging. 
And then the second one they did worked. But it's a whole new way of hearing. So we hear um, acoustically. We yeah. can make sense of background music and other right. people talking. And Aaron um, hears electronically. So um, it's all kind of the same so sound. It's, yeah, it's described as a wall of sound right. that you can't. The background is indistinguishable from the Absolutely. main source. Um, so then when did you guys start making your own fudge and chocolate? This, I, I will tell you, for about a month now, everybody in this building has been talking about the chocolate and the fudge. I and that. I mean, honestly, we've had you know some pretty big people come through the doors. I don't think anybody in this building has been more excited to have you guys bring fudge uh, than anybody else who's walked through these doors. When did that happen? Yeah, that's a great story. Aaron? Well, uh, uh, right after the meningitis and I was back out of the hospital and I was at home in complete darkness and, and now complete silence. It's a pretty lonely place, a pretty, mm. pretty awful place to be. It was tough when all of the tools and techniques that uh, I'd, I'd learned over the last, you know, the previous four years of being blind, most of it was audio-based. I didn't even uh, have the, the need, the necessity to learn Braille, which would have been a good idea after, after right. the fact. But uh, uh, there I was just sitting in my, you know, at the kitchen counter, feeling down. Uh, if, you know, the, the, the why me's the, and the what ifs start creeping in and I needed something to do. Uh, so I fell back on my old, uh, love, my old skills of, uh, of cooking, got into the, the kitchen and it was, it was, uh, right about the holidays and we invited tons of friends and family and we we're going to make this huge feast. And I got into it for the first time in probably six months, Michaela had seen a smile on my face while I was making all these the stuffing, the turkey, and all these desserts. I was making desserts weeks in advance. And so much fudge was coming out of that kitchen that Michaela was sneaking it out the front door. I say sneaking. I'm a blind deaf guy. You don't <laughs> have to be. I'm real. leaving with the fudge. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You, you don't. You don't have to be real right. stealthy. <laughs> but uh, uh, she was giving it away to our neighbors, to friends, and they were coming back and asking, "Can we buy some more of this for our party?" Or and and I, you know, being a, a capitalist mindset, I said, "Well, of course you may." <laughs> and, and that's that's just how it got started. Mm-hmm. And so the name of the company is EOD. Yes. Yeah, so Aaron was an explosive ordnance disposal in the army, and we did a play on words, and now it's extraordinary delights or EOD fudge. We started with fudge. Now we make a lot of different chocolates. Yeah, really good. It's fun. Really, really good. So, I, I you know, they say that people who are really truly mentally healthy don't have to turn on the radio. They can be alone with their own thoughts. Hmm. How much of a prison was it to be without sight and without sound and only surrounded by your own thoughts? Well, it is it is absolutely difficult. Um, and I think it was uh, a Dr. Victor Frankl said uh-huh. that Suffering ceases to be suffering once years there's meaning behind it. Uh, I blame the TBI for not getting the quote exactly right, but oh, yes. uh, uh, um, it's true. Uh, I I 
focused on family. I focused on something to do. And it made the suffering, it made the, the struggle a little bit less difficult to bear. And uh, it's it's the strength of my family, my beautiful wife, and my, my wonderful son. And At what point did you guys get married? We got married in October of last year. Of last year. Were you already doing the, the uh, EOD? Yeah. 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 We've been doing that since 2015, and it's grown more than I ever thought it would. Um, we originally just started out of a place of needing Aaron to have a mission again. And from there, we were getting ordered a thousand pounds from Boeing company, and oh a thousand gosh. pounds from blue Buffalo dog wow. food company. And, um, I was like, we need a logo. We need boxes. We need like, we, <laughs> I need to learn about chocolate. So Aaron and I went to chocolate school together and we learned all about, um, the intricacies of working with chocolate. Has, has your taste, uh, gone up? Have your taste buds, uh, been enhanced now that you've lost your sight and your hearing do you think there's you're more f- finely tuned in smell and taste you, you certainly uh, pay more attention to the senses you have left unfortunately so much of our senses are interconnected you know we we taste better what we can see yeah mm. uh, we definitely uh, taste better what we can smell and I lost a little bit of my sense of smell in the blast but I do pay much more attention to the flavors that are going into our food and what I'm cooking. And uh, there's, I, 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 taste, I, I taste everything along the way as a, in, in the process to make sure it's exactly the way I want yeah. it. And, um, well, it's extraordinary. Uh, chocolate and pralines and fudge and so everything good. else. How, how do we order? Um, you can go to www.eodfudge.com and order all on the website. eodfudge.com. Guys, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. You bet. We're going to feature a, a video of them tonight uh, at 5 o'clock only on the Blaze TV. You don't want to miss it. So let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's LifeLock. Security professionals warning of email phishing scams targeting World Cup fans. When is this thing over, Pat? This has been going on This weekend, fortunately. Oh, jeez. For Mm -hmm. the love of Pete, how long does the world have to go on about World Cup? Anyway, uh, some of these emails appear to be coming directly from, uh, what is it, FIFA? FIFA. FIFA. Mm-hmm. Love FIFA and oh, all that they... Everybody does. Yeah, anyway, so, so these uh, phishing emails are going out. Hey, you win big prizes, and some people are actually opening something about winning tickets to the World Cup. I don't know who those people are, uh, but be careful, because that information is actually not going to the World Cup. You didn't win anything. Somebody is trying to steal something from you. Lots of threats in today's t- connected world, and it takes one week link for somebody to get in and be able to destroy your life. The new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against the threats of your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if you have a problem, the agents are going to fix it for you. Nobody can stop all cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats that you might otherwise miss. So go to LifeLock.com right now or call 800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code back at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Wow. I have to tell you, they they, uh, they left some fudge here. I... I, I, 
tried to return it to them, uh, and some uh, of it fell I into my mouth. I didn't notice you were <laughs> trying to return holy, it. Yeah, I was. Uh, holy delicious. cow, is that good? That is delicious. Really good. Uh, it's EOD Confections or EODFudge.com. EODFudge.com. Can you imagine having a cushy uh, cook job? You're cooking for the Admiral of the Navy and you decide to, nah, you know, I think I'm going to go to explosive ordinances instead. Wow. You blow yourself up. You think <laughs> it's bad. Then you get meningitis and you lose your hearing. And imagine, I can't oh, imagine what it was man. like to be Death. alone with your thoughts. You yeah. can't, there's nothing you can look at to distract you. Nothing you can listen to that could distract you. I can't Holy even imagine cow. what that would be like. Oh my gosh, it would be horrible. Uh, seems like a nightmare. Horrible. But here's a guy who has taken it and run with it. He's he's yeah. oh, this pisses me off. He's solar uh, solo white water rafting. Yeah, by himself. <laughs> well, well, how do you do that? What? Do you, I mean, stop it, huh. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it does make you feel like a slug, doesn't it? Does. it? And you've got your sight and your sound, and you still don't go white water rafting. N- want nothing to do with white water rafting. Yeah. yeah, you're like I. Yeah, I don't gonna, understand that. Since I, I have my sight, I'm going to sit on this couch yeah. and watch TV. Right. Why, why would I? Why would I go do that? I'll that's, watch you white water raft. Yeah, that's too dangerous. <laughs> Can you imagine what? Jeez. What is that like? <clears throat> To whitewater raft by yourself, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's coming. It's like, you know what it would be like? It'd be like Space Mountain, except you could die around every corner. Yeah. yeah. Scary. That's amazing. Amazing. Plus, he told a great story about how uh, they were together on one of these trips. Uh, it was some blind guys that went on the trip, and then they had one sighted guy that was driving the truck. Right. And they they went into a a restaurant, was it? And mm-hmm. and uh, the sighted guy was in the restaurant with a couple of the other blind guys. And then three of the blind guys moved the truck to hide it from the sighted guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they moved the truck by by tapping on the bumpers on either side with their canes. Right. And and that's how he was able to navigate. The blind guy who was driving was able to navigate and hide the truck. I love that. That's great. Love story. that. Love to hear people. I mean, it really. It makes you look at people like this and say, what is wrong with me? Yeah. What have I? Yeah. What am I complaining about? And starting your own business and having it be successful a thousand pounds from uh, Boeing and from Boeing before you even (laughs) before you even have boxes. Uh, Anyway, check it out and uh, and spread the word about this uh, this company and this amazing couple EOD fudge. Dot com eodfudge.com all right dave rubin is uh coming up in um in just a second we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh the supreme court but but more importantly classic liberalism and and what it means when when somebody like ted cruz says i don't want a conservative on the uh, supreme court i want a constitutionalist i want somebody who is a classic liberal Classic liberalism was a a term that was taken and destroyed by FDR, but it is what libertarians used to be, constitutionalists, classic liberalism. 
we'll talk about a a new movement in America that is really starting to have an impact with classic liberalism when we come back. Glenn Beck. Shh, listen. Listen for it. Can you hear it? Somewhere, the bickering, the constant whining and complaining, nonstop. What is that? Oh, it's Washington. The conservative pundits say that we need a conservative Supreme Court justice. That's outrageous. President Trump's legacy depends on it. Our country will crumble without it. Meanwhile, the liberals say Trump is Hitler. He plans to resurrect Judas specifically for that role. That's what he did. Senior editor at Media Research Center noted, quote, as with all recent Republican nominees, reporters will repeatedly label them as conservative, which will nicely reinforce a Democratic strategy to paint them as outside the mainstream. One study found that Roberts, Alito, and Gorsuch were called conservative 36 times on ABC, CBS, and NBC within 24 hours of their nomination, while Sotomayor, Kagan, and Garland were only labeled liberal seven times total using the same parameters. Even in a mostly positive article about Trump's pick, Judge Barrett Kavanaugh or Brett Kavanaugh, um, USA Today couldn't resist the urge to slip in the word conservative into the title. The partisan partisan jockeying back and forth is uh, just as bad on the right as it is on the left on, on this. And it's it's misguided. When we look for a Supreme Court justice. We should not be looking for the most conservative. We should be looking for the one that is constitutional. Because a conservative legacy is not what matters. We shouldn't want a liberal or a conservative. This is what causes these great swings in our society. We want somebody who looks at the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, understands them, and protects them. It's Tuesday, July 10th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. There's something happening in the country, and the mainstream media just doesn't even see it. Uh, and uh, what it is, is it's, it's splintering, it's splintering in, a, in a million different directions. One is this, uh, uh, this walk-away movement with the Democrats, where Democrats are starting to say, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. They don't really know where to go. Uh, some of them are just going in and following into uh, the Republican Party. I think a vast majority in the end, we're all going to be kind of staying away from the parties and just say, I just I just want truth and freedom, which would put you in place with the Constitution. And a guy who was really early on this was Dave Rubin. Hello, Dave. How are you? Glenn, how's it going, my friend? Good. Were you, were, would you consider yourself always a constitutional uh, or, a, or a, a classic liberal? Well, I don't know about always. I mean, we've, we've discussed my political evolution uh, a couple times, and, you know, I definitely firmly was on the left. I, I was a liberal, but, you know, we know how that word has been changed around. Yeah. But I really, I was a progressive, and I was on... The Young Turks Network, which, in my estimation these days, is a pretty far left organization, um, and and when you come from that perspective, the leftist perspective, 
it's really not rooted in the Constitution. It's sort of rooted in what do you kind of feel is right at any given moment. This is is where Ben Shapiro's, uh, you know, facts don't care about your feelings really hits home. It's like most of the things that the left these days, and I say the left, and I don't mean every single person on the left, of course. And, you know, we all get caught in the words, and your intro to this was was on point because I think people are going to flee the parties and, and the paradigm uh, that we've always had of left and right isn't really making sense anymore. You know, it really is. You are either for liberty, you're for freedom and you're for how you want to live without impinging and impugning on anyone else's rights, or you want the state to deal with everything. So I don't know that I thought of things through the constitutional prism, way back when I just thought, Oh, this seems right. You know, Oh, I want to help poor people. So the government must do it or whatever it was, or I want to help gay people. So the government must do it. And it wasn't, it didn't really have a backing of what the laws are. That's why your intro to this and, and related to the Supreme court's decision right now is so right. It's not about whether we should have a conservative or a liberal. It's about, do we have someone that has the mental acumen basically to understand what the laws are and not write laws, but defend the laws. That's the whole purpose of three branches of government. That's why the, the judiciary exists, not to write laws. That's, of course, for the, for the legislature. That's for the Senate and the Congress. So, so we need people that will, will uphold the system that we have in place, because although it is not perfect, I would argue there's no such thing as a perfect system, it's pretty damn good. And now... As we've seen the left really go bananas and embrace this democratic socialism, which, by the way, once they're in power with that, the word democratic is going to go away pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Because they're just it's it's a temporary placeholder to make it palatable for now. Um, And that I fear that far more than what I fear on the right these days, because, you know, on the right, what's interesting to me is you can see, I think, at least three distinct groups of of people with different ideologies. So you've got the Trump people and the MAGA people. Okay. That's one. That's a pretty clear one. Then you've got all the never Trump conservatives and that's a pretty strong group of people too. And then I think you have the group that probably where you and I are, are, are a little more in line, which is basically the libertarian classical liberals that aren't saying we're part of this party or anything else, but there's a, there's just, it's a rooted in limited government and your rights as an individual. That's, that's three really distinct groups of people that are fighting it out for what the right is these days. Uh, the left, unfortunately, really has the Democratic Socialists, so the, the Bernies and the Elizabeth Warrens and Keith Ellisons, et cetera. And then there's, this, there's a tiny but almost completely gone minority of what I would say are the sort of decent liberals, uh, but I don't know where they are. I mean, where are all the blue dog Democrats? There, there seemingly is, is nobody left. I think some of them exist, but they've just been cowed into silence. But I think for the health of the system, we need those people to come back because yeah. you need a you need a, a good fight on both sides, and I, and I wish we could see it again. So, do you think that with this this rapid embrace of socialism, uh, uh, you know, shutting down ICE, I mean, all of this stuff looks pretty crazy? I think to the average person. Um, mm-hmm. And the stances that the Democrats are are now taking, it doesn't it it. It doesn't make it easy for them to say that they're in the center um, because they're not. Um, do you think they're overplaying their hand, Dave? 
Oh, yeah. There, there's no doubt. I mean, look, if your choice is basically whatever Trump wants on immigration or open borders, let's say you're just an apolitical person, right? You don't really care about politics. You're, you're busy doing other things. But then someone presents you with that question. Do you want some situation that Trump's doing where we're going to have tighter border controls? Maybe there's going to be this wall, but who the hell knows if that's going to happen? You know, he's basically doing the same exact things that Obama and Bill Clinton did anyway. But yes, does he speak about it in a, in a sloppy, often offensive way? Sure. But if your choice, if you're just the average person, right, not, not the political who knows the ins and outs of everything, you're just the average person, and your choice is between that, what Trump is offering, or open borders, which almost is where the Democrats are at this point. I mean, Keith Ellison, he's the, you know, he almost became the head of the DNC mm-hmm. just last week or about 10 days ago. He was wearing a shirt that in Spanish, uh, I, I'm going to miss it slightly, but it was in effect. It said, I don't believe in borders. Yep. Borders don't exist. I, I don't care what language he's putting that in, but that, that is a radically extreme idea. Borders exist because nations exist. So if your argument is that nations don't exist, well, should we just be able to wander into Canada or should we have Mexicans be able to just wander into this country? I mean, that's a truly radical position. But if I've learned anything in the last couple of years, and, and it's really what put me on the map and what, what made people like you know who I am, is that as I think I was an early adopter of seeing what was going on on the left because I was part of it and I was really in it. And I kept saying you know, these are the problems. We have to stop labeling everybody racist. We have to stop calling everyone homophobes and all the rest of this. And then we have to really get to the, what are we really talking about here? It can't, everything can't just be the easy bumper sticker answer. And unfortunately, they have just doubled down and doubled down and doubled down. And you would have thought, and I did a video about this, I think the day after the election, Trump's election, that you would have thought maybe there would have been a moment of reflection mm-hmm. where they would say, ah, you know, this just maybe mm-hmm. we've played our, our, our hand too much, et cetera. And no, they just decided to go in the other way. And what, what makes me hopeful about this is, is what I mentioned before about what I see on the right, that there is there is a true battle of ideas happening on the right mm-hmm. right now. And, and it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, when I see all these the never Trumpers hating the Trumpers and then this and that. It's like, guys, if we could just tone the rhetoric down a yep. little bit, you're actually you're actually doing the right thing because yes. you're not out on the street killing each other. You're fighting for what you believe in. Yes. And that's that's really, really great. So that's where for me right now, that's where my energies are, because I can see such great alliances. And that's why I'm you know, I'm thrilled that, that we've been doing more together and that this growing group of, of the intellectual dark web, as it's called, is a group of people all over the political map. And we're just we're just trying to play the game a little bit differently because the other game, it, it's old and it's tired and, and it's just not working. David, so extraordinary to hear a former member of, uh, you, you know, the Young Turks <laughs> speak like this. For those people who are yeah. new to this party, what was it that finally uh, snapped in your mind and and turned you around? There were a couple things. I mean, the, the, the night that it all changed for me, you know, I can actually pinpoint the, the actual moment. And if I if I really whittled it down, I could probably give you the exact minute of the day. It's almost uh, like you could remember. It. It's almost like when you have a huge change, you can remember what the room even looks yeah, like in the point. wallpaper. Yeah, sort it's of. a tipping point. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. OK, good. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> 
It was a, it was at about ten forty seven Eastern on uh, September something a couple of years back. So uh, Sam Harris, the the neuroscientist and, and author, uh, famous for being a, a quote new atheist, he was on Real Time with Domar to discuss. He was actually on to discuss his book his book called Waking Up: A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. So his book was about inner peace, basically. Uh, ben Affleck was on the other side of the table. They started talking about mm-hmm. religion, Islam in particular. And long story short, Ben basically called Bill Maher and Sam Harris gross and racist because they were discussing uh, radical Islam. And Sam was talking about how you have to be able to separate people and ideas. So, of course, you have to be able to separate. You, you have to be able to criticize Islam, which is a set of ideas, just like you should be able to criticize the set of ideas that make up Christianity or make up Judaism mm-hmm. or any other religion. It's a set of ideas, and ideas should be criticized. No idea should just stand above us to control us. Uh, but that doesn't mean you should be able to discriminate against people. I mean, I guess you can discriminate against people, but that's not the right thing to do. Uh, you should separate ideas and people. In effect, uh, Affleck called Bill Maher and Sam Harris gross and racist. And what I saw happen almost immediately, and I didn't even know who Sam Harris was at the time, is that the entire media and the entire leftist establishment started turning on Bill, turning on Sam. And I saw, wow, here were two people who are who are lefties. I mean, Bill Maher, for all the disagreements that you must have with him, Glenn, this is a guy who's been the the standard bearer of sort of mainstream leftism forever, liberalism, whatever you want to call it. And now suddenly he is being thrown under the bus because he took one position, which was which wasn't even a really controversial position. It was just a confused position by by Affleck. And then once I saw the way the feeding frenzy to destroy their own um, without being principled, without even listening to the argument. Once I saw that, I suddenly saw it everywhere in almost every argument that I could hear on the left. And the way that they would treat everyone on the right, every single Republican politician, every single conservative, guys like you, guys like Prager, Shapiro, everybody, that there was never a counter argument. It was always that they were a bigot. They were a racist. They hated women. They hated gays. And, I, and suddenly it started. I mean, it's a house of cards. And once you pull out that first card, the rest falls very quickly. And that doesn't mean that the right or in conservatives or Republicans have all the answers. They absolutely do not. But if this is what I always expected my guys to be a little bit better in this case, mm. my guys being the liberals. Mm. And once I saw it, it, it crumbled very quickly. And, and then that really put me on the path to where, where I'm at now, which really, you know, it's somewhere between a classical liberal and a libertarian, but basically what I believe is in freedom. You can live how you feel you should live and you just can't come on my property and you can't kill me. But in effect, the government, that's what the government's supposed to protect at its most basic level. And that that's about it. And the more you go to that, I think you'll find more creative people. You'll find more, you'll find happier people. You'll find people that are willing to live and let live and willing to accept differences and, and agree to disagree. And that's why I'm hopeful these days, because again, from your intro, like people are tired of, of the lunacy. And I think we just got to give them a little bit of a roadmap to, to get out of it. Dave Rubin, the host of the uh, Rubin Report, which is the biggest talk show about free speech and big ideas on YouTube now, the Rubin Report. 
Um, make sure you uh, check him out. Also, where where can I find the uh, classic liberal uh, cartoon? I, I saw it this morning. Somebody sent yeah, it to me. And posted it. We just posted it this morning. Uh, it's our first ever animated short, and uh, it's about two and a half minutes. I explained classical liberalism, and of course, and you'll appreciate this because I'm doing so many things, and I'm on tour with Peterson right now, and you know all the copy editing and all mm-hmm. that is, is on me. I did, of course, make one factual error because oh, I was boy. writing so much of this on the plane and everything else. I said that Thomas Jefferson put the pursuit of happiness in the Constitution, but of course, it's in the Declaration of Independence. What a so dope. Oh, what a dope. Oh, well, his whole oh, empire is done now. Came crumbling down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're always looking to get you, you know? I, so know. I did make one little mistake in there, but that being said, it's, it's a real primer. I just wanted to give people a simple, fun primer to some of these ideas. And then it's on you. It's on you as a human to figure out what you believe. I, you don't have to believe what I believe. But, you know, you want to give people a chance to figure out what they believe. Follow Dave uh, at Ruben Report. Dave Ruben. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thanks, Glenn. I'll see you soon. You got it. Really great guy. I like him. Really great guy. All right. You've heard me talk about the Palm Beach uh, research, uh, the cryptocurrency course that we we do. Um, and they put this course together for uh, my audience, and the feedback has been phenomenal. And what we'd like to do is uh, hold a kind of like a conference. It's a we're calling it the uh, BeckCryptoShow.com. But I want you to know I have very little to do with it. I'm just I'll host it and facilitate this uh, conversation. But uh, Tika Tawari is going to be teaching it, and it happens a week from Thursday. The 19th at 8, 8 p.m. It is absolutely free, but it's all about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It's a chalkboard program that uh, Tika has been working out. And we're going to be taking live question and answers during the uh, session as well. So join me. It is free. You can register now at BeckCryptoShow.com. That's BeckCryptoShow.com. Let us know that you'll be watching and you'll be joining us. Uh, he's going to be sharing the names of three cryptocurrencies that he says you absolutely should buy right now. You can take part in a $2 million crypto giveaway. And it's all happening at BeckCryptoShow.com. Don't miss it. Register for it now. It is absolutely free. BeckCryptoShow.com. Glenn Beck. You know, I've learned uh, I've learned a lot uh, by shutting my mouth and listening a little bit more. And I remember when Dave first invited me onto his show. And I knew who he was or who he used to be. And uh, he said, uh, you know, no, I've, I've really changed and I, I really would love to have you on and, and talk. And I, I bet you were skeptical of that a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot. But you know me. I, I'm willing to walk into the yep. buzzsaw yep. if there's a chance. Yeah. And I thought there was a chance. And we had a great conversation and we're like brothers now. That almost never happens, too. No. You, you know, you're always, you're always promised that. Like with Katie Couric. Oh, no, she's she, this is not a trap. No. She does, this is not a gotcha interview. No. You're okay. doing her a favor, and she knows that. Uh-huh. <laughs> really? Thanks. So anyway, um, but uh, so I did this, and, and it was very eye-opening, because if you listen to what he's saying, and we know this is true, the left is eating everyone now, including their own. Mm-hmm. Big, uh, big rallies that kind of... Uh, clashed in London over the weekend. Uh, 
there were some trans people carrying um, huge banners that says trans activism erases lesbians. And the lesbians who were there happened to take issue with that. So you had this battle between these two extreme left-wing groups. And they, I love it when they eat their own. Yeah, I love it. The, the lesbian said, "You, a, a man, no matter what he does to his body, cannot be a lesbian. Well, wait. Whoa. Wait a minute. Whoa. What kind whoa. of judgment is... Glenn. Holy Beck. cow. Whoa. Mercury. I'm not sure how to actually react to this one. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon called Bitcoin a fraud. And the price fell by 24% then in the following days. But then J.P. Morgan emerged as one of the most active buyers on behalf of their clients of a fund that tracks the Bitcoin price. George Soros, same thing at the World Economic Forum, said Bitcoin was a bubble. And then his $26 billion family office reportedly received the green light to buy cryptocurrencies. The experts, I guess, are all over the map when it comes to cryptocurrencies. You need someone who, who really understands it. And we're going to explore this in a free online live broadcast that Glenn Beck is personally hosting on July 19th at beckcryptoshow.com. Go there. You register for this free special event. You'll discover the new case for Bitcoin, the names of three cryptos that Tika Tawari recommends that you should buy right now. And you'll have the chance to take part in Palm Beach Letters' exclusive $2 million Bitcoin giveaway. Get all the details and register for free at beckcryptoshow.com. This is information you can really use. Beckcryptoshow.com. So here's the good news if you're traveling. Um, airline uh, bathrooms are getting smaller. Yeah, well, they were so spacious to begin with. I, you know, you know, you could afford a little. Yeah, I thought you know when you got space. in there and there was the little lounging you know couch <laughs> there. I thought it was a little too big. Yes, you know. Yeah, but eh. I like it when I can't actually Move. turn enough to get my butt even toward the toilet. That is fun, isn't it? Because your seat has also gotten smaller. Right. So you're jammed in between two massive human beings in the middle seat. And, you know, that's comfortable enough. If they could just if they could just make the airline experience more like being jammed into a pipe. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? Because it's it's a miserable experience in the terminal when you're going through security. Mm -hmm. You get to be felt up. Yeah, but molested. But yeah, I mean, you got to hand it to them. They did warn you. They, yeah, they did. You know, say they, that. they said mm-hmm. it's in a terminal and makes you think of cancer. <laughs> it's going to be about as much fun. Right. Right. And we should have known that. We should have known that. So that part is our fault. So then you may not even. So then you're waiting at the gate and mm. you hear the announcement. Uh, we've got an overbooked flight today. We need uh, seven volunteers to take some other flight. I I got to get home. What do you mean? Wait, why did you overbook the flight? You book as many seats as you have. No, this happens no. all this happens all the time. You go into a really nice restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and you've booked your reservations. They're like, ah, sorry, we overbooked. You can can you come back tomorrow? Actually, they don't. They they don't do that. <laughs> no, they well, don't do when that you at get, the movie theater. No, either. when you get your CAT scan, you've taken the day off to mm-hmm. go to the doctor's. You know, sorry, uh, we overbooked CAT scan. We overbooked, and the doctor can't see it all today. That doesn't happen either. Really? Yeah, I don't huh. know why the airline industry is the only business that can get away with this. Yeah, we overbooked. We got like three times as many passengers as can fit. What? So now, if nobody volunteers. You're forcing me off this flight that I already paid for. I paid for this time and that seat right now. And I got to get home to go to work. So I think it's because they're all in on it. 
I think if there was somebody who said, yeah, our bathroom's not going to get smaller, we're not mm-hmm. making it any bigger, but we're not going to make it any smaller. And um, and we're you know what? We're not going to charge you for absolutely everything. everything. We won't charge you for everything. And we won't overbook. If somebody said that, would, wouldn't you be more you, apt to take yeah, that? I think you would. Yeah, I think you would. And then you've got the opposite of that, though, like uh, Spirit Airlines, which my wife made the made the mistake of booking one time. Spirit Airlines. Spirit that's kind of like that's a little like Bob's. Yeah, kind of like Bob's. Yeah, discount love, airline. Yeah, love mm-hmm. Bob's discount airline. I think I think parenthetically, it's Bob's discount airline, and then in parentheses that may or may not make it to your destination. Right. It's something right. like that. To yeah. That effect. Well, it's, it's I think it's uh, joined with the guy who makes the mattresses. So <laughs> yeah. if the plane's going down, they just throw some mattresses <laughs> out. And hopefully, it's a softer land. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, and it's fun because you get tricked by the price of the actual ticket. Because the price of the ticket, say you're going from Dallas to New York, it's $1.98. Wow, that's but, pretty good. But to get a bag of luggage, it's $400. Right. And then if you want to take your purse, it's another 250 Right. <laughs> it's like, and if you want peanuts... Forty-eight dollars. Well, no, you can't have peanuts. You can, but you can't have them. You really. can't have. We don't. Peanuts. We're all out of peanuts. We'll show you a picture of peanuts. <laughs> well, not even that. We probably somebody will somebody will complain if we have a picture of peanuts. So you don't even get that. I just saw somebody came out. Uh, well, Boeing has just introduced a seven eighty-seven. Have you seen that? Yeah, no, uh, gigantic plane. And supposedly there's going to be some room, but you, you know you're going to pay a huge premium. But I'm kind of willing. Because if you're traveling somewhere for four, five, or six hours, it is such a miserable, miserable experience now on, on it these is planes. The, it is Greyhound bus of the 1950s it and 60s. It is. I remember in the 1970s getting onto a Greyhound bus with my mom because she didn't drive. So whenever mm-hmm. we ever went to the city, we would take the Greyhound, Greyhound bus, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was an awful experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the way it is now with airlines. Sadly, it is. Uh, and then you've got the stories like uh, happened the other day where they were stranded on the tarmac for three hours. Oh, in I the love heat, that. No. got up to 118 degrees in the plane, and they wouldn't let people off. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, it's it's for your own safety. Have them escorted by security, or reroute the planes around them, or let them go back to the terminal. If it's going to be a an hour delay, you shouldn't be stuck on a hot plane for that with no air conditioning. People are vomiting, passing out, you know, using the aisles for a restroom. It's only 118. That's that's hot. It's like that for weeks in in Phoenix. What's the problem? You can't handle it for a couple of hours? No, I couldn't. Not in a plane. I would go crazy. I would go crazy. Out of my mind. I think they take guns away from people because they're afraid that when you're left on the tarmac, you could go crazy. I, I wouldn't use a gun, but I guarantee I'd be arrested because I'd be so unruly at that point. After an hour and a half in 118 degree heat with my family there. I think I'd be arrested. It's not that hard I to get arrested. So, I plane. want to test this. How can we possibly test this? This is too good. By the way, um, did you see last night? This kind of goes into what we were talking about with Dave Rubin, to where they're just bashing anybody. Last mm-hmm. night, the the picket signs were out, and the crowd was out in front of the Supreme Court. Before anybody was selected, they didn't even know who. Didn't matter. Within a couple of minutes, 
the the Democrats and all of the left uh, organizations had already put out, you know, fundraisers for, hey, you got to join the fight against. And you could tell it was just cut and paste, put the name in. Mm hmm. They were already prepared. It, it got so bad last night that Shannon Bream actually had to cancel her show or her report. She was From on, outside. She was on the steps where they usually do it uh, for the Supreme Court. And she said, I've been a lot of places, but I have never felt this unsafe at a broadcast. And I don't feel safe. So she went back to the studio because... Uh, I, I think she's right. I don't, I don't think it would have been safe for a Fox News personality to be on those steps. Play the audio again. Listen, I mean, you can't even understand what they're saying. This is so ridiculous. Our choice, not Trump choice maybe i think that's one of the that's things one of that's the women screaming that yeah mm-hmm. i have no idea what the guys i don't are, either i are don't saying know. but I, I wish i was part of that well your family would be so or, proud of you wouldn't They'd really be so proud wouldn't they yeah they would they would who's that's... doing this seriously who who do you know that is normal that, that is doing do this? this yeah i don't think anybody i don't know that many leftists though no, but and I, those are the only many, ones who do it. No, no, no. But Wright's yeah, not out there screaming about this. It, it, but if it was something, if it was something else, they were putting, you know, well, Elena Kagan. We didn't do this. Sonia Sotomayor. We didn't do this. Who's left of Ginsburg? We we didn't do that. Not at all. And she was overwhelmingly uh, confirmed by the Senate. And so is you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg for that matter. 96 to 3 for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The the right doesn't do this. We've got better things to do. Like, I don't know, go to our jobs. <laughs> I just don't think I could be that pissed all the time. I no. to where I had to where I had to go and I had to scream. I don't even know who they're going to or, or to wait outside a restaurant for let's say Nancy Pelosi and then start yelling at her when she comes out of the restaurant. Would you ever consider doing that? Not no. in a million years would I do that. No. I don't like Nancy Pelosi, but I'm not waiting for her to come out of a, at a out of a restaurant and then ask her where all the babies are. Where's the 60 million babies you support you know being anybody, murdered? Try, try, try to think of this. Do you know anybody living or dead it, but, but died in your lifetime? Is there anybody that you would do that to you, where you would uh, like, I'm staying here. I am. No. I've got to speak out. I can't think of anybody, no. anybody uh, in the world. No. I mean, we were pretty, we were pretty upset by Barack Obama, and wouldn't have considered doing this. Never, you know. We we've always admitted how you know. Okay, we got kind of carried away during the Obama administration. We were concerned about him, and there was a lot uh, to be concerned about. The guy was a Marxist, and we never got to this level. It's it's a year and a half into Trump's presidency, and they're completely unglued. It's complete chaos on the left now. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, that's why people are afraid. What was it? Remember the survey a couple weeks ago that came out? 48% of Americans believe we're headed for civil war in the next five years. Yeah, and 11% say it's absolutely assured. Yeah. I, I've, I don't... We haven't had that since the civil war. So... 
It's time to and get you know a what, grip you know on what it. The difference is too. In the 1960s, they didn't control the media. Right. They control yeah. the media now, and so the media. There's no one pushing back on these guys. There's no one. And for us, during Obama, there was somebody to push back. The media. Yeah. Anytime anything outrageous, kind of keeps you in check. Yeah. I was reading. Uh, I got a, a tweet. Hang on. See if I can find it uh, from uh, from uh, Stelter uh, from CNN. Brian Stelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this tweet from him, and I thought, this is this is this is insanity. This is, w-. and they don't. They just don't get it. Um, let's see if I can find out what, it, what was he said. Um, oh, shoot, I'll have to look for it. it, it, it it was it was so so unaware of of who they are and what they're doing and and how closed they their system is mm-hmm. you know they're just all in this pool mm-hmm. and everyone thinks alike and they just they are ju- they just are so self-righteous in no it, we're right there's no even reason to even listen to anybody else. We're just right. No, you're you are way out in space. They don't know that though because they only talk to like-minded people. They won't go on any sort of uh, opposition media. They won't. They don't have any friends who are conservative. They just can't imagine talking to anybody who disagrees with them. Which is, I think, why they're so. I want to talk to. I want to find somebody. Maybe we'll find a. Somebody who is a historian that can tell us first a little bit about a, a democratic socialist, but I would love to talk to what's her face. The, I would too, Ocasio Cortez. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk to her. I doubt she would, but it would be great. It, it, the only reason why it wouldn't is because the the handlers would say, "Are you out of your mind? You're not going on Glenn Beck." Yes, yeah, so, but mm-hmm. any really anybody, I don't think, unless you're no, a diehard, you know, supporter. I don't know if they'll ever allow out, I, but I would love to have a conversation. Just say, just tell me about the math. I just want to know about the math. How is that going to work? Right. How, how, how are you going to provide work? free education, free health care, um, all of these other free programs? Oh, a guaranteed job for everybody. For everybody. And guaranteed housing. How do you how do you do that? Right. I'd Outside love to, the Soviet Union. And I don't want to, and I, I really don't want to, uh, you know, play gotcha. I really want to know. Yeah, I'd like to. Who, who on that side has really thought this through? The only thing you hear her say is, in a free society that's the wealthiest on the planet, there is no reason for people to be poor. Well, okay, how do you fix it? How do you fix it? And how do you go against the the you know the old adage and the and from Jesus, the poor will always be among you. Right. How 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 do you do that when honestly we know that there are some people that want to be poor. They want to live on the street. Yeah. I mean, not not I'm sure not yeah. any close to a majority by any stretch, but they want to do that. They also there we know there are many people that don't want to do any work. To improve themselves. Yep. We should make sure that they're not poor as well. And don't they have a right to that choice? Anyway, I'd love to have that conversation. We'll see as we 
uh, forge ahead. Our sponsor this half hour is Mercury Real Estate. For most people, your home is the the biggest investment that you're ever going to make. And it's why we built uh, realestateagentsitrust.com, because working with the right agent can make a significant difference in the outcome of buying or selling your home. Working with the wrong agent is just, it's a nightmare, just a nightmare. We have over a thousand agents all over America who are just like you. Their word is their bond. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibility. Um, our agents are fully vetted, handpicked by my team for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record. And thousands of people all across the country have already put them to the test. And the results are remarkable. If you're looking to sell your home for the most amount of money and on time, realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, sell your house, or buy your new one fast. And for the most amount of money, if you're selling, it's realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. Tonight, 5 o'clock, a uh, roundup of the day's news. And then 5.30, the news and why it matters, which is a, a roundtable where we, we get the uh, best of the best around the table. And we talk about the news of the day and why it actually matters, not why the media thinks it matters or anybody else, but why we think it actually matters to you and to your life. It's, uh, you can see it every day on theblaze.com, or you can get them in podcast form uh, at uh, iTunes. Is, is the News and Why It Matters up on iTunes podcast yet? It should be. Yeah. Um, it is going to be happening later this week. And, and every day we also do an extra about 15, 20 minutes just for subscribers only to The Blaze. You can get that also on demand uh, only at theblaze.com slash TV. All right, Pat Gray, the radio roundup. Uh, oh, it's Tuesday. You have the uh, singing, singing cowboys. cowboys in. Yeah, yeah as the, always, always, on Tuesday. always good. Yeah, always I know it's good. one of your favorite it, segments. It, I wouldn't so. miss the singing cowboys <laughs> today on the uh, Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com. Pat, thanks so much. Yep. we will see you tonight, five o'clock on the Blaze. Glenn Beck Mercury